sort of like this weird construct that we have that, you know, you have your office life and then you have your life outside. <laughs> never <laughs> shall the two meet. And, and for me, that's just not been my experience of, of running businesses. But I, I believe like attracts like. And if you are a nice person and if you do things for other people and if you're kind, then, you know, you, you kind of get that back. It gets reciprocated along the way. And I think we all have it within us to change our circumstance. We all have it within us to change our attitude. We have it within us to change our mindset. And being really, really conscious to that is a really beautiful way to lead and it's a really beautiful way to live. So I think that's it. If it is to be, it's up to me. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realize there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. In most cases, I'd say being a mother of five is an all-consuming role in itself, but Emma Isaacs isn't your average woman. Running her own show since the tender age of 18, Emma is the definition of businesswoman and is now the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks, Australia's largest networking community for women that has now also entered the US market where Emma and her family now live. Emma bought Business Chicks at only 250 members after seven years of running her own successful recruitment company, which actually followed her dropping out of uni because it wasn't moving fast enough for her. And she has now grown it to its present glory as one of the biggest and most engaged audiences in Australia, running over 100 events annually, publishing a magazine called Latte, and bringing the likes of Kate Hudson, Richard Branson, Ariana Huffington, Seth Godin, and Nigella Lawson to her audience. She has also just published her first book, Winging It, documenting the process with a refreshingly honest and practical approach, and I am so delighted to have her on the show to share some of her pearls of wisdom. There were a couple of technical glitches, but we did get there in the end, and you can enjoy a bit of typical LA background beats along the way. Lovely Emma, how is LA treating you today? <laughs> Hi, it's really, really good. We've had some pretty uh, hardcore technical problems, but here we are, and the sun is shining and it's beautiful. It's um, <laughs> We're going into winter here, but it's just the most perfect day, and yeah, I mean, I was saying to you before, we are coming up to living here for three years now, and we absolutely love it and can't see ourselves being anywhere else else except I've got to tell you I'm still traveling back and forth between Australia about seven or eight times a year which is not great on the serotonin and the old energy levels but we get it done right oh my gosh that's enormous on the body but also your kids have American accents so <laughs> <laughs> they really do my five-year-old uh, has a complete American accent and the three-year-old and the one-year-old um, the one-year-old's not speaking yet but um, the three-year-old is definitely developing a very, very strong American accent. And when they want to use my phone, they say, Mommy, what's your passcode? And it's hilarious. <laughs> and you know what? The, the two elder girls who are uh, nine and seven now, they are American throughout the week and then they turn into little Aussies on the weekend when they're with us for the two days. But it's so funny to kind of <laughs> have them go in and out of this American accent. It's hilarious. Oh, such little international babies. <laughs> <laughs> so being a global CEO of such an incredibly successful business can be quite intimidating to people who you know haven't heard your voice or haven't read your book yet. So I'd love to just start with asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them to cut through you know the social media gloss that our 2D personas kind of can create. And you share so much so openly in your new book, Winging It. But for those who haven't read it yet, I know you seem like Wonder Woman on the outside, but can you give us a little icebreaker? Is anything you do, like do you bite your nails? Do you get nervous? Do you snore? <laughs> I don't bite my nails because I get those gels. Um, so I don't think, think I even have nails nails underneath these poor nails um I don't <laughs> snore um <laughs> I'm super down to earth and I'm just you know trying to uh you know make things happen as much as the next person it's it's a pretty um my life can be pretty terrifying at times like there are many many moments in um, my day-to-day -day that I think oh my god did I absolutely have too many kids should I have stopped it <laughs> two or three 
<laughs> and they're on Thanksgiving uh, break at the moment. So I have five at home and it's a very, it's an absolute full-time job to kind of schedule all their play dates and their, their school camps and the whole thing. So, I mean, you know, I, I never want to present as someone who's got it all together by any means. I mean, you know, my life is absolutely manic and crazy. And, you know, there, there are many times when I'm, you know, super tired or kind of left rocking in the corner thinking, you know, am I doing this right? Surely everyone else has it a lot easier than I have it. But, you know, I, I think it comes back to really, I don't want to sound too kind of spiritual here, but, you know, I, I am very, very grateful in every single moment of my life. And I'm very, very grateful for the life that I've been able to create in my businesses and in, in with my home life and you know, really, I only have first world problems to kind of complain about. And, you know, I, I try and live being grateful for that every single day. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy, but I love that too. That's, that's definitely where uh, a lot of the learning comes from, right? So you definitely do have a lifelong learner. Like you come across as someone who's always learning, always doing new things and who also loves the challenge. You never shy away from a challenge. So, I'd love to start with your way to yay. So how you got to where you are, obviously people see, you know, everyone looks like an overnight success. It looks like we're living a life of seizing our yay, but there's always a really long journey that comes before that. Mm -hmm. Can you take us back to the very beginning? Young Emma, were you cool at school? What were your first jobs? Did you always think that you'd run your own show? I know, you know, you dropped out of uni and you haven't had a job since, which is so refreshing that you've just winged it. Is it winged it or wung it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I'm the eldest of three kids, so I've always been uh, the person to be doing things for the first time in my family. I was the kid in the neighbourhood who'd get everyone together and um, try and have adventures. I was the person who... Um, yeah, it was always seeming to go first with uh, jobs and I, I bought a car when I was 15 years old um, and that's just sort of how I've always run my life. I, I've only really had one casual job and that was um, working in a restaurant as a waitress from a really young age and then I went to uni to study business thinking that was what I should do and I lasted for six months. It was just, the truth was that it was just going very, very slow and I'm someone who likes to, you know, get to work where they think they want to be in a lot faster way. So sitting in that lecture theatre every single day just made me think this is not for me and I can, you know, find a different path and that's ultimately what I did. So I dropped out of uni and didn't tell mum and dad for quite some time because I knew they'd be really <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> um, and they're still a little bit disappointed. I think I think um, I come from a super academic family and everyone's got a degree except for me and I think mum's just waiting for some university to give me an honorary degree at some point which hopefully will be in my future. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> say that that's them. far away with the incredible journey you've had. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, so, so did that and then I, um, you know, had a really great, I suppose, head start on my business journey in that I started my first company when I was 18 alongside a um, friend who I just met through mutual friends. She had actually started this little recruitment company and I joined her a couple of months after she began and we came to be 50% uh, shareholders and directors in this business and it was a beautiful journey because you know, it was a really great alchemy of skills. She was very much back of house, operations, finance, the tech side, whereas I was always drawn to the people side of the business, whether that was external customers or our people on the team and really I became the sales and marketing uh, you know, force within the duo and she was very much the operational one and you, you need both to make a business really sing. And, and we did that for seven years. We built that business and, you know, achieved a, a lot of success, I suppose, both financially. We were profitable every single year. We worked to set ourselves up financially and, and the way we, we did that was by extracting value as we went through. So we'd you know, make some profits, then uh, take them out of the business and invest in properties. And that was really a great kind of foundation for me in my business life. But about after seven years, I decided that I wanted to try something new. And that was really, really tricky to kind of extricate myself out of that business and, and, and that relationship. But ultimately, we navigated that. And that's when I yeah, started Business Chicks. I went to a Business Chicks event and loved it and ended up hearing the business was, was for sale. And I, I bought it. And that was 13 years ago. So yeah, you could say it was an overnight success. <laughs> a multiple 20 decade. Years on, <laughs> 20 years on with all my wrinkles and gray hairs. Oh, no. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't actually realize that you bought Business Chicks and it like that it already existed and mm. that there were 
250 members at the time, but I mean, now you're a worldwide movement running up to 100 events per year. You've got a magazine called Latte. You're now in the USA where you moved in 2016. So buying a business, I can imagine is, you know, I used to be an M&A lawyer, so I know that it's an absolute, you know, clusterfuck to, mm. <laughs> excuse my French, <laughs> mm. but then actually starting to grow it. I mean, what do you attribute your growth to? How did you go through that from, I mean, even in the first business from 18 years old without sort of that traditional learning that at least gives you a sense of security and that you know something, how did you just throw yourself into it? What was the process of winging it? Uh, I, I think, you know, a lot about I talk about this a lot in the book um, and, and a lot of anyone's success, if you study any successful entrepreneur or business person, you'll really find a common denominator of people believing in themselves and you'll find a commonality with having the right mindset. So I'm a really, really, really calm person. I don't get ruffled easily. I really try and uh, just focus on what's important. I think a lot of people start businesses and think they've got to spend all this time, you know, particularly now, they, they think they have to spend a lot of time, um, you know, on their, on their social media and their, their brand. And, and whilst all those things are important, uh, business is actually really, really quite easy. You've just got to make more money than you spend. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I say that and people laugh, but it's people miss that fact a lot of the time when they think they need to become famous before they become profitable. It's just this really weird uh, time we live in where, you know, people are building personal brands and, you know, and that's, that's fantastic. But ultimately, if you want to build a successful business, you've got to work out how you actually make money and how you're actually going to make money and where you know, what customers you need to attract to make money. And, you know, I, I think we're losing sight of that. Um, you know, when I started, I, I mean, I suppose we go back to the business chicks times, I realized that my relationships were going to be the biggest asset that the business had. So I really worked hard on how I could, um, you know, maximize those relationships and how I could call in favors and how I could be doing favors for people all the time as well in the hope that that would build on the relationships that I already had. And that kind of worked by focusing on those those people. I was able to attract the right types of sponsors. I was able to attract wonderful members who have been with us for, you know, 12 or 13 years and they renew their membership every single year without questioning it. Um, and... I think that comes back to really knowing what your values are and, and standing, you know, really flat-footed in those values and, and never deviating from them and ultimately checking in and doing what kind of feels right, you know. I mean, you, it's easy for me to look back now in hindsight and say it was easy and it absolutely wasn't. But what I did write was be true to myself and say no to a lot of things and you know, not look sideways and worry about what competitors were doing and ultimately just try and focus on, you know, being calm, having the right mindset, saying, I know where I'm going. I don't need anyone else to tell me where I'm going. Uh, and and being quite internal with that thinking, you know, rather than uh, looking up and worrying about what the market's doing and what are, what's everyone else doing. And I, I just don't ever <laughs> worry about any of that stuff. You know, I just know what I'm good at. I know where we're going. I know the right types of people to have around me. I'm really good at saying what I'm not good at and, and where my, I suppose, weaknesses are. Um, and I just try and be true to that all the time, which kind of sounds easy, right? <laughs> well, actually, one of the great things about winging it or the book is that you do make a lot of things that we overcomplicate in our minds sound really easy and just bring it back to a really simple sentence that just hammers something home. And there are two that I wrote down in highlighter and have scribbled everywhere since I read the book mm -hmm. uh, that really stood out. So one of them was avoid the busy stuff that makes you feel like you're getting ahead, because mm -hmm. I think we all, we glorify this sense of busy and we confuse that with achievement, even though it's not necessarily productive and it's not necessarily doing what's important either. Mm. And then the other thing was more moves and less announcements. And that was another thing that in this social media time where, you know, I'm so grateful for it because I moved from a legal career to living a life I love through social media. But at the same time, I get very distracted on announcing things and hyping things up and getting excited and sharing with the community. But sometimes I'm like, all I've done is announce and I actually haven't made any moves this week. So <laughs> that was a, <laughs> it was a really nice wake up call of, yeah, it's important to have a community and a platform to communicate with them. Mm. But at the same time, it's so easy to get distracted from your books, your mm. reporting, your governance, all your stuff that we, because you can become a business person overnight now, well, not overnight, but you can, you know, 
business and influence is democratized by social media, mm. it does make it hard to remember the nuts and bolts. And I really did have to come back to that this year and remember mm. I've got to run a business underneath all the fluff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think that's uh, what's both exciting uh, and also overwhelming about trying to be an entrepreneur in these times because being an entrepreneur today is very, very different to what it was 20 years ago when I started. You just had to run a good business and make money and be good to people and have great ethics. And sure, there was some other stuff wrapped around that, but basically that was what being an entrepreneur was. But these days we're expected to have, you know, great uh, social media accounts. We're expected to write books. We're expected to be compelling speakers. We're expected to do so much stuff, which actually distracts us from running a business. And you know what? It's absolutely fine if you feel that your skills lie in being an influencer. Maybe that's not, you, you know, you're not a true entrepreneur. I'm you know, just saying it's, it's, it's about getting clear on where your skill set lies and what, how you want to be spending your time. And for me, I've always been very, very clear that I want to, I'm a business person um, to the core. I'm fascinated with how brands are built. I'm, I'm have become by default really fascinated in how we build community and how we create impact and how we actually show up and make a difference in the lives of others. Um, and, and I believe more and more so that it's important to do that on a one-on-one -on -one basis. That's really how I built Business Chicks, even though it has become this kind of juggernaut and we have a huge membership of which I'm very, very, very grateful for. I still try and maintain my relationships one-on-one -on -one with the people who have been supporting us for years and I try and invest in those relationships. Um, and to me, that's just as important important as having a huge, you know, following, which I, I'm not really interested in at all because I don't know, it's just not, not real to me. You know, I, 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 I'm actually very introverted and, and I have a very, very close circle of confidants and, and friends. Um, even though I have a very public role and I know a million people and, and that's all fun and games, I can definitely dip in and out of that, but I feel very, I feel much more safe and I feel, um, much more me with just my very, very close circle of, of friends and advisors and, and peers. Um, so, yeah, I can often find the world of modern entrepreneurship and, you know, what business chicks have become. I, I can find it quite daunting and overwhelming at times, but I do bring it back to what am I good at and I want to impact people, uh, you know, first on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And I think that ripple is, is really strong if you, get, if you get that, you know, the foundation right first. And that definitely translates through to everything in business chicks. Even if you can't physically be there one-on-one -on -one for everyone, there's that business chicks feeling that everyone, I mean, everyone knows what that is. You've created a real feeling that every interaction in any event, in any kind of um, online, anything, it's so consistent that you've created that. But then on top of that, one of the things that I loved reading that I didn't know is that being a global CEO, you still make time to handwrite notes. And you handwrite Christmas cards and you personalize everything, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which mo most people wouldn't think is something that you prioritize because, you know, it conventionally isn't, doesn't make you money. It doesn't, uh, it's not growing a business, you yeah. know, conventionally, but you still make time for that stuff. And that's what makes the difference. And networking, that's been the biggest thing that you, you know, in the book, I didn't realize how much of a big thing it is, but I've always believed your network is your net worth and that everything else kind of doesn't matter so much if you really nurture your relationships. And another tip you gave was spend half an hour after each event to follow up because otherwise you never do and you're not fresh in people's minds. And that, that, that softly, softly approach, I think you called it, is something, again, that I do and I didn't realize actually had a name, that we can get very impatient and brutal and like, I want this now from you and like, let's be transactional. But nurturing things and creating a feeling and sending handwritten notes and building these beautiful relationships over time has is what's given the business so much longevity and loyalty. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to know, you know, in a business like ours, that, that is my business, um, you know, how, without knowing it perhaps 13 years ago when I bought the business, I didn't know how I necessarily made money in it. At, at, you know, from just looking outside in, it appears we make money through events and we only uh, make about 40% of our top line revenue from events, even though it's where the community comes to congregate. It's where we can eyeball each other and hug each other. And that's, just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a bit cultish and, and religious in, in a ways. And, and that's a beautiful thing, but it's not actually how we make money. Um, so, you know, networking is a funny thing because I think you need to get the balance right. For me, I need to be doing it quite a bit because it is my business. But um, I think for other people, it's perhaps not so important. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you are starting out in a business, maybe you don't need to go and have 
80 coffees with people every single week. Maybe it's not necessary for you to be doing that. You know, maybe where you need to be putting your time is um, sitting behind a desk, putting your head down, focusing on whatever it is makes you money. And it just comes back to that thing, doesn't it? I mean, how do you make money? Is it through your relationships? Is it through product sales? It'll be different for every single person. But, you know, the, the fine dance of networking is something that I see people get a lot um that, yeah, they waste time and they, they don't invest in it correctly. They either should be doing more of it or they should be doing less of it. So, you know, I can't, there's no one blanket rule for that. It's all um, very, very personal and, and depending on what your business is. But for me, it's my relationships, everything. I, I do write thousands of Christmas cards at the end of the year. I do try and remember, you know, birthdays and try and be there when it matters. Um, but for other people, it might not be so important. So I think that's an important thing to, to say. Yeah, absolutely. So, Day to day, I mean, aside from writing beautiful notes and remembering people's birthdays, which is so so <laughs> lovely that you still do, <laughs> talk us through being a global CEO. Like I obviously pretend, I mean, not pretend, I am a global CEO, but of a much smaller business. But on your scale, you've grown a beautiful team. Um, you've talked about outsourcing a lot in the book. What were your first hires? What You know, it's so overwhelming when you grow and you do have to do a lot of crazy time management and time-saving hacks, which you share, again, another great practical list in the book that I have highlighted and tabbed and everything. Mm-hmm. What is your average day? What do you spend the most time on in the business? Um, I, I'm in a really beautiful position that it's only really sort of dawned on me as I come to um, realise I'm turning 40 next year and I don't know. I'm definitely feeling a a huge sense of calm about that. I thought I'd be a lot more churned up about um, being that age and worrying about what I've achieved and, um, you know, have I gotten to where I want to get. And, and, you know, really the original plan for me with Business Chicks, which would be the original plan for most entrepreneurs, is how do you make yourself redundant as quickly as possible? And I've been able to do that, Um, you know, I think by me moving here and putting a CEO into the Australian business, um, that was a real test for both my leadership and for my Australian CEO's leadership. You know, can we actually make this work with me being uh, overseas? Can we make it work with her running the show? And while her and I would be the first to admit that, you know, the first really probably 12 to 18 months was really, really rocky as I found my feet and as she found her feet. And I'm, I'm the type of leader that wants to let people uh, learn. I'm, I'm not a micromanager. I don't um, dictate what should happen. You know, I, I certainly would hope my people would say I can guide them and I'm available for them at all times, but I'm not someone who says, I want you to do this now, I want you to do that now. It, it's very much, you know, I believe in everyone's journey and, and getting there how they would and that's always going to be different for every single person so you know we we certainly found that tricky at the start to to navigate what our roles were me being the founder but being an absent founder but still being the driving force of a brand and still needing my dna to be imprinted on everything that we did so um, we got we got through that and i think we're in a really really beautiful stride and, and rhythm now with our communications and and her leadership not versus, but her leadership um, alongside of my leadership. Um, So what I'm trying to say is, you know, I I achieved the original goal of me trying to make myself redundant, which I did. I always wanted to live overseas. Um, I'm doing that. I always felt that the Business Chicks um, mission and our ethos was a global need. I, I feel like you know, we were kind of serving women before it was chic to do that. You know, now it's it's very, very trendy to run women's organisations and, and for good reason. We, we need more of them. Um, but, you know, I was doing that. 13 years ago before it was <laughs> before it was cool <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing it you know I just I've always loved women I, I I've always been uh, financially independent I I've always been very independent and um you know I've always tried to be a role model wherever I in whatever situation I'm in so so for me it was just very very natural that um you know this is the work I find myself doing so um made myself redundant moved overseas um you know getting the business off the ground in the US uh, was was much 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 harder than anyone had anticipated. Um, I feel I can speak um, from a very in, informed perspective now on what it takes to, um, you know, try and get essentially a startup 
off the ground in another country and particularly in the US, which is really, really, really tricky. Um, so I lost a ton of money and a ton of sleep um, trying to do that um, after two years of really bleeding the Australian business dry of funds, trying to get things happening in the US. I had to, well, me and Liv, our Australian CEO, had to make the call that we should stop trying um, and we should ultimately just put the US business on ice for a bit, um, which is what what I did. Um, very reluctantly at the time, my ego hurt, everything hurt from, from trying so hard. You know, I was, um, you know, talk about being kicked, you know, while you're down, but I was just so um, emotionally spent. I was exhausted. Mm. Um, I had my fourth baby while I was launching um, into the US, oh. which I don't kind of recommend. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know, I just felt like I was being kicked from every single angle and it just felt right for us, you know, to kind of, you know, say uh, at the time when we did, which was probably about a year ago now, you know, we just have to um, cool this off for a minute because I don't want my Australian business to go under, you know, through trying to get something else off the ground. Um, so, you know, during that time, um, I wrote this book. Um, I had my fifth baby um, who's now one and just starting to walk, which is super cute. <laughs> and, you know, h- here I am and trying to make meaning out of uh, my being here. And and that's not that's not hard to do. I'm, I'm still very, you know, uh, I don't want to say hands-on with the Australian business, but I, I still take meetings with, with the Aussies. Um, I'm doing a lot of speaking over here. Um, I'm selling the rights to the U.S. book, uh, or to the book in the U.S. I'm, you know, I'm I'm busy, but um, I'm also in that beautiful position of I have made myself redundant. I have a, a great healthy business that, you know, pays me to live the life I want. And, and I think that is the entrepreneur's dream to get to a point where you're not needed in your business, but yet it still affords you a lifestyle and you can still impact in the ways you want to impact. And that's kind of where I find myself at today. Congratulations. That is the absolute dream and an amazing, amazing journey from starting your entrepreneurial life at 18. It's amazing what you've achieved and must feel quite surreal looking back at you know how far you've come and I love how open you are about the really challenging times because that is I think they're probably more defining moments for an entrepreneur than the successful times but before we move on to that can you just looking back pick out any highlight moments in the along the way that have really you know those ones that hit you in the heart that you're really like, wow, mm. look what I've done. Mm. I don't think we stop often enough probably to let those in, but are there any that stand out for you? Yeah, it's it's never me doing the looking. It's never me stopping and going, oh, wow, you know, I've done this. I, I couldn't, couldn't care less for that, but it's when other people – stop me you know I even had um, an experience recently I was at one of our events one of our long-term members um, who's a beautiful woman and who we've had a huge impact on she stopped me and she said I just want you to take a moment and take this in and you created that and then of course that feels completely uncomfortable and and awkward but um, you know when someone else sees the impact that's what makes me proud but I, I mean I think from an achievement perspective some when you were asking the questions and things that come to mind um, you know we were able to buy our offices um, which are in Sydney in Australia and, and that was a really beautiful thing not because you know I couldn't care less for, for, for that but I remember when the whole team came in um, on that first day of working there and and um, me and a few other members of the team had been working around the clock to you know sweeping floors and painting walls and <laughs> oh, I know, like we would have done like 18 Ikea runs and you know just and and we weren't no one was doing it for me it wasn't about me I wasn't doing it for me it was about um, you know providing a home and and having a beautiful base for the team so when they walked in uh, on that Monday morning I'll never forget you know that moment Um, that was really special Um, I I think you know even as recently as when we launched the book um, my beautiful right hand gal Lucy who helped me pull the book project together and um, the whole team in Australia threw a surprise party for me and and that was just um, really kind of special my bestie flew up from Melbourne with her husband and my publisher was there and my editor and and you know it was just this this beautiful moment so the moments of achievement or success that I look back on always involve other people it's never about me I I don't care in doing things alone you know I always try and do things I don't know I think life's more beautiful when when you've got a group of people around you that you really get and they really get you and you're able to yeah work on cool shit and you know just get it done that 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 for me is the most exciting thing it's never about me or I couldn't you have no interest in being the center of attention or being in the spotlight it actually 
freaks me out hugely, <laughs> but I, 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 I do it. I put on my big girl pants and I do it, but it's never ever about me. It's about the people around me and, and, and doing it together, which makes it the most fun. And you guys together have achieved some incredible, incredible feats. You've brought some amazing guests to Australia and given your community access to people they would otherwise probably not ever get to hear from. And I think even though even though it isn't about you and it is about the community that I'm sure many, many people fangirl you and I fangirl people all the time and I'm a little bit fangirling right now, um, but have you had any pinch me guests along the way? I mean, on your book, the testimonials are from Diane von Furstenberg and Richard Branson and you had Kate Hudson in Australia recently, you've had Seth Godin. Have there been any that you just sort of, you know, lost your bananas about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I'm funny in that I I just don't really believe or place any um, great value in celebrity it just doesn't really interest me um in any way, I am more interested in who people are off the stage and I feel very lucky and privileged that I get to meet people and spend meaningful time with them off the stage. You know, who people are on stage is actually all just an act and we can all do that. We can, I can train anyone how to how to do that, how to conduct themselves and that part is easy but how they conduct themselves off stage in the lead up to uh, any events they do with us, you know, I mean, for example, I, I mean, I love Diane von Furstenberg. I, I, I do fangirl over her but it's because I know who she actually is, not just the, 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 <laughs> the fashion designer or the, you know, I mean, when I asked her to endorse Wing, you know, she came back to me within probably 27 seconds and said, absolutely, darling Emma, whatever you need, here for you and, and you know, wow. that's just that that's the 20th experience I've had of her being generous and actually being a woman's woman and actually wanting the best for other women. And we can all say we're that, but your actions, um, you know, and your words speak much louder than, than any kind of press release that you can put out. So she's, she's one, I, one person I absolutely respect and honor and love and would do anything for, um, well, they've all been great. We, we haven't really had any, any divas along the way. There's been maybe a, a couple that I can't name. Uh, but generally, <laughs> I mean, I, I, again, not to be too kind of woo-woo on you, but I, I believe like attracts like. And if you are a nice person and if you do things for other people and if you're kind, then, you know, you, you kind of get that back. It gets reciprocated along the way. And, and we've been really fortunate that we must have been really kind to a lot of people and, and that's been repaid. I mean, you are, you know, you asked the question, I think, I think people like Diane, uh, sorry, uh, Brene Brown is obviously someone that we all look up to. Um, there's a ton. There's a ton. They're, they're all they're all awesome. <laughs> well, I do totally agree that energy attracts energy, and what you put out there is often what comes back to you. And one of the most amazing things about you is that you take away the focus from the glory of celebrity and fame and numbers and followings and strip it back to just what's important kindness down to earth your books your business the community being a good person sharing practical tips it all comes out in the book so much and it really you feel at the end like you've gotten to know you as a person and I love that so much and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was to show the people behind that externalized persona that we all put on and that we're all really good at and show that a lot of us are actually introverts, even though we do speaking gigs all the time. A lot of us get nervous. A lot of us have, you know, moments where shit hits the fan and you have to make really hard calls in business. So the next segment is called nay to yay, which is all the things that say nay to you seizing your yay, just that, that get in the way of, of your joy. So the biggest question for me in reading the book and in, in watching what you do that jumps out is how you do it all. And the, my favorite, favorite part of the book is when you just said, I don't like balance this, <laughs> this concept of balance that we all buy into. It's unattainable. You do have to make calls about being busy and you have five kids. So there's always parent guilt, but you know, how do you navigate that? Uh, I think I've gotten really, really, really good at saying no. I think I've gotten really good at prioritizing what's important. I think I'm, I'd like to think I'm pretty emotionally um, capable. You know, you have to be when you're a parent uh, and you certainly have to be when you're a parent of multiple kids. You know, you, I'm constantly spending my time walking around the house thinking who needs me the most right now and, um, you know, which child needs to be whisked away for some one-on-one time to like the ice cream, you know, shop or whatever it is, you know. So yeah. I, I feel like I'm pretty emotionally aware with that sort of stuff. But I think that's a really big thing that um, we can all learn, particularly women, but it's 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 really saying no to what doesn't light you up, you know. So I... Um, 
I send out a ton of stuff that's going to take me away from the family or that's going to deplete my energy. I really try and focus on stuff that, um, you know, I want to do and that, that, that does light me up. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm in a position to be able to do that. So that's a big part of the, the balancing conversation. Um, I think I'm, you know, I talk about it in the book a lot. I outsource my entire life um I made a decision very very early on I had my first child when I was 29 and you know my earning capacity in the business was probably you know getting to its peak I was you know really finding my stride with the business and I made a very very conscious decision that I wouldn't take my foot off the accelerator and you know people can sit in judgment of that or or not but for me um I didn't want to kind of step off you know what I'd created and I really really tried to work just as hard and you know figure out how I could be as available to my team as I'd always been um yeah so so like any parent I mean I've tried every conceivable form of care you know I mean being back in Australia when I first started my family I had my in-laws and my parents around which was fantastic but you know I really made that conscious decision that I would probably spend most of my salary on um childcare, which may seem kind of contentious but for me I wanted to be able to keep working keep growing my businesses while I could and a lot of people confuse that with not spending time with their kids but really what being able to hire the help in meant was that I was able to be present in my business and I was also able to choose the bits of parenting that I wanted to do the most so um and that's been a I suppose a um, habit that I've cultivated over the years. You know, I'm I'm really good at um, saying no to a lot of stuff around the house, and um, even though it might cost a lot of money, I I feel like that's it gives me a quality of life, and it means that I'm um, a better parent for it, and also a bit better entrepreneur. So I don't know. You know, in a nutshell, it's about saying no. It's about outsourcing a lot. It's about doing what lights you up, and and you know, avoiding those things that you really don't want to want to do. I'm good at that. I'm good at saying that. <laughs> Which is okay. actually a really hard skill to cultivate and I think something we all struggle with, especially in the beginning when you're first getting used to it. But it's quite empowering and it's actually it's simple to make your life work for you. It's just a lot of us don't don't not not don't have the courage, but we just don't do it. And it you know, yeah. months in months later you're sort of like, Why did I why am I not doing what I want to do? Like we get yeah, 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 so yeah. bogged down by judgment and what we should do and what other people think is good. But it's really, really refreshing to hear that you're just like, this works for me. I know what works for me. I'm going to do it. And if anyone else thinks anything, yeah. it's not their life. It's not, it's no big deal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think that's, you know, I mean, the thing that's tricky is that we can often compare our parenting to the way our parents parented us, right? And you know, my mum was a stay-at-home mum and I'm so grateful for everything she gave me and my sister and my brother, but that that construct of parenting doesn't work for, um, you know, for, for my generation or, or my family. Um, so, you know, I've really had to make that up myself and be really clear on what works for our family and, and somehow, I mean, we get it mostly right. We, we get it wrong a lot as well, but mostly I think we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, you, you were talking about failure in the book more in terms of business and not, not that parenting is ever a failure, failure. <laughs> but, you know, getting things right, it's not the be all and end all. No failure hurts. It's not a full stop. And it's, I, I love your approach to it is a balanced approach, even if it's not the balance that everyone's subscribing. It's not the trendy balance. It's still a form of balance. And I love that you found what works for you. But do you ever get yeah. that? self-doubt does it ever creep back in like you seem yeah. you seem so together but do you ever you know worrying about yeah yeah I, I do I do but I, I just don't I just try and let those feelings not last for a long time right so I acknowledge them I name them the feelings are not me they're just feelings I'm having um and I try and move on and I try and have the right people around me that provide a really good compass reality you know so I have a great business coach that I work with every single week um, obviously my hubby is fantastic I have you know some really really close girlfriends who I turn to I've got a number of team members that are great provide great counsel for me um, so I think it really is important that you look at who is advising you and who's around you and who who can be there um, you know to, to help pick you up when you when you need it um, and you know th that that team changes I think it changes as you grow as an entrepreneur perhaps it changes as, as you grow as a parent um but what's important is that you get the support you need you know and and not just sit in being a victim or blaming and saying oh I just feel so alone here it's like if you feel alone well then go make that right you know I, I think we all have um the power and capacity to change things I I, I think one of the things that I'm have become good at is having this action bias so really about how do we you know not not sitting in stuff so not, not wallowing it, it's it's allowed 
allowing feelings to come in. It's allowing the self-doubt to creep in, acknowledging it and then going, okay, great. So what does that inform? What decisions does that inform for me? What do I need to do next? How can I get into action to change that? You know, not just sitting in it and, and, and being a victim. And I really try and encourage my team to feel that way as well. And, you know, I think, I think it mostly works, you know. I think you called it, it the pragmatic, not dramatic approach, which really stuck <laughs> in my mind because sometimes I'm so dramatic and then I'm like, hold on a minute. Really? This is, this is, this is not, oh, most of the time I'm not, but then sometimes I just get carried away with, you know, the stress of it all. And then sometimes you get stressed about being stressed and then you just I know. take but a moment you go, you and you're like, what? oh. Like, we're, we're actually, I know. We're not, we're not um, you know, no one's life depends on our businesses. And so I think if you can just, like I said, find people around you who keep it very real for you and, um you know, I'm I'm very very just conscious with that and very directive with that. I don't have people around me who just fawn and oh, you're so amazing. Like you know, it's it's not that important. In fact, it's, <laughs> it's the opposite. You know, they call me on everything, and it can be tough. But it it ultimately, yeah, it's it's a beautiful way to be. You know, it's it's just no bullshit and it's being real and it's it's learning and and being calm and yeah, I don't know. They're the values that I've always tried to tried to have and tried to be led by for sure. Yeah, and it looks like they've served you well. I always say you're some of the five people you spend the most time with and every now and then you need to do a little check and see that you're happy with that reflection and with what, you know, values they're instilling mm. in your environment because we're all a product of our environment. You can't have a positive life with a negative environment. So um, the more you can mm. curate that, the more results I think that you'll see. So mm. the last section is your play TA. So I think we all spend so much time defining ourselves by what we do and what our output is, our achievements. And obviously that's natural because it does take up most of our life. But I've always, I'm so interested that we introduce ourselves by our name and then what we do, but mm. never sort of say who we are and whether, you know, our work, does it actually make us happy or do we have a happiness or a, a joy or an identity outside of work? So I can see for you, you get an enormous amount of, of happiness from your work. Um, but, you know, if you could do anything in the world, is it is it what you'd be doing? Would you change anything? Or I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I certainly have developed a level of calmness over this. I mean, I, I very much had a lot, a lot of stress via achievement in my younger years. You know, I had to get to a certain, uh, you know, revenue goal by the age of X. I had to, you know, be, be this person by why and I just I've just let that all go I don't know if it is um just a getting older thing um for me I just have never seen my life as two parts it's never been oh now I'm working and now I'm playing and and who am I outside of work and who am I inside of work it's it's I'm just the same person I have the same values I have the same uh, there's no delineation for me it's just all one big happy life and if it's not happy I try and change things up um you know, I think that's the, the curse of the entrepreneur. You know, your business doesn't ever escape you. And I think that we run um, a narrative that says it's wrong and, and we have to have this life outside of work. Um, you know, for me, I, a lot of my friendships are inside of my work. You know, I have friendships with my, my mentors and um, our members and my colleagues and that's okay. You know, it's sort of like this weird um, construct that we have that, you know, you have your office life and then you have your life outside. <laughs> Never <laughs> shall the two meet. And and for me, that's just not been my experience of, of running businesses and, and, you know, running my, my life and my family. It all just kind of, you know, meshes into one and, and I'm okay with that, you know. It's taken me a long while to kind of realise that, you know, because this whole work-life balance thing that says, you know, you've got to shut your computer at this time and go to the gym or whatever, it's like I just do try and take the stairs a bit more um, and, you know, if I'm feeling like I'm not healthy, I'll work a little bit less or book a vacation or something. Like, I, I don't know. I just think we stress too much about it and, and try and figure it all out and, yeah. and as you do this. <laughs> it's, like, it's, not, it's not that hard. Just do more of what you love doing and what you're naturally good at. And if you don't like what you're doing, well, then you've got the power to change that as well, you know. It's just not never been really a, a big deal for me um yeah, so refreshing it's all playing like it, it's fun I, I love my work I get to hang out with really cool people I get to learn all the time but you know it's it's not like that happened just by being lucky I've created that there's been a design in that whether I've been conscious to it or not um but I've set it up so that I um yeah I, I do generally like most days and love what I do I I 
it's not through luck. It's like I, I made it that way and I believe everyone has the power to do that as well. Absolutely. That's why it's called CZA because I'm like that, that concept of seize is that you can reach out and just grab it. We just don't realize that we mm. have that much control over our circumstances mm. and even just letting go of the idea of striving for work-life balance and accepting that as a business owner, you are kind of immersed in this bubble of everything. It kind of mm. just takes the stress away from it all and your barometer becomes, am I feeling good? And it's yeah. that simple. But I yeah. do think that it does create a lack of boundaries that make it easier to look after yourself. Like it's, it's a lot more straightforward when there are boundaries. So do you find that you get on the verge of burnout or, you, you know, do you need to sort of relax some days and just let your brain think about something else? Like I watch a lot of Netflix it's, and, and the trashiest, most unrealistic Netflix that I can because it's like a dose <laughs> of just letting my brain escape from all the responsibility for just, you know, half an hour and then I come back and I feel way better and I can just keep going. Do you have anything like that? Well, I mean, I suppose for me, my outlet, this sounds weird, but it's it's parenting, you know, having a bunch of kids around. You know, you've got to understand I'm, I'm an entrepreneur to my core, so I've always had my own <laughs> company. That's who I am, right? So then I have, now I have this bunch of gorgeous little souls that need me and require me to be present and call me into the moment all the time that's kind of like my uh, and I'm, I'm panning out like the picture is it's all zen and bliss and it absolutely is not my house it's completely chaotic um but it does call you into the present uh like nothing else will so i, I my time out away from working is definitely being with the kids whether that's sitting on the floor doing blocks i, I mean i try and do stuff that just makes me more mindful and i don't watch tv like it's weird people come to my house and I'm like you don't actually have a tv like you don't have a place where the family watches tv and i'm like well yeah i never really realized that we didn't but we we just don't i, I mean it's not again like we have this joyous like perfect family life but <laughs> i don't know we just put it we just put out i mean we we're, we're lucky we live obviously in a beautiful place and and we've got a massive backyard so i try and get the kids out there and try and free range it as much as possible and that that works mostly um but yeah, I think the kids have been a real leveler for me um, in terms of not getting to burnout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to try it, Sarah. You got to catch up. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you actually said that you'd want to have two more. I was like, oh my goodness me! <laughs> um, and you actually had them all at home. Is that right? I did. Yeah, I had all my bubbers um, in home births, which are all beautiful. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I am kind of addicted to birth. I, I love it. I wish I could do it every. <laughs> day um, probably why I had so many children and want to do it again and again but my births have been a huge source of power for me and um, you know real challenges for me of how I get my head into gear because you know a lot of labor and that's not to say for a moment that you know obviously labor is very very physical but um, a lot of it starts with you know getting your head right and, and getting your mindset right and saying yep I can do this and, and believing in yourself and all that sort of stuff so I've always worked really really hard on that and yeah, I mean, I've been lucky to um, have five beautiful births that, that definitely transformed me. Every every single one was different, and I love it. I could talk about birth all day, but um, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> You've definitely made me feel more comfortable about it. I think we all have this terrifying, like, fear of childbirth, but you've just made it sound like this really peaceful, enjoyable thing. <laughs> oh, I love it. I could do it every day. I honestly love it so much. It's wow. great. <laughs> <laughs> so just to finish up, I always ask the three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in these kind of interviews. I think one of them would probably be that you've had five home births, but are there any two other things that like an allergy or a tattoo or a phobia? I really want to get a tattoo. I've been really mulling this over and haven't really told anyone about it, but I'm, I'm such a boring white girl. I have no tattoos. <laughs> anything, but, um, I really want a tattoo. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm, um, I'm an open book. So you probably know lots of things. Like I recently bought, or well, last year I bought a 1965 vintage camper and did it up and got oh, it. Oh, wow. That was, that was kind of fun. So she sits on our property and it's actually a cool little place to go and the kids go out there and draw or read and um, have sleepovers with them out there every now and then. So we did that. Um, I don't know. I can't sing. I can't yodel. I don't really have any. <laughs> 
<laughs> secret skills at all. Um, <laughs> I got to get some, hey? <laughs> well, in all that spare time that you have. <laughs> <laughs> and since I love motivational quotes so much, the last question is what is your favorite motivational quote? I don't know. When you ask that, what comes to mind is a favorite that gets thrown around all the time. But if it is to be, it's up to me. And I just keep returning back to that quote because, um, you know, it's been a theme of this conversation. I think we all have it within us to change our circumstance. We all have it within us to change our attitude. We have it within us to change our mindset. And being really, really conscious to that is a really beautiful way to lead and it's a really beautiful way to live. So I think that's it. If it is to be, it's up to me. So powerful and so refreshing. You have been an absolute breath of fresh air, just so down to earth and going to the beat of your own drum and just changing lives and inspiring people to do the same because everyone just needs a little push in the right direction. And I I think a lot of people in this episode will have gotten that from you and can get so much more from the book. So I'll include links to where you can buy the book, uh, to Business Chicks, to Power Players, more information about that, which is – do you want to quickly – Talk about what Power Plays is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? I mean, we started this two years ago. It's a tremendous kind of subset community of business chicks for our business owner, uh, entrepreneur members, and it's a peer-to-peer uh, mentoring program. We have facilitated leadership um, experts that come in and facilitate meetings with a group of up to eight women. We place you in a group and you meet with them every single month, and it's the most extraordinary, beautiful uh, experience of people just getting really real with each other and being vulnerable and, you know, kind of dropping the press release of our life because we all go around going, no, we're great, we're fine, it's amazing, my business is growing Um, and we all know that it's not always like that at all. So really um, Power Plays has been a beautiful um, contribution to a lot of our uh, business owner members and it's going gangbusters, it's amazing. I'm actually bringing um, 30 of our Power Play members to LA next week and we're doing a big knowledge and study tour um, around businesses in uh, LA we're using we're going to Disneyland and using the park as a business lab we're going to be in a classroom with UCLA we partnered up with UCLA um, for some time at Anderson School of Management I'm taking um, the group to two businesses here one's a startup with revenues of about 18 mil in four years and one's um, a 30 year old company um, that just exited for a figure reportedly in the billions. Um, oh so, yeah, gosh. I mean, that's, that's really fun. It's really, really, really fun. So I'm super excited to host those 30 um, Power Players members. It's actually next week, which is exciting. Um, yeah, so look it up. I appreciate that plug. Thank you. I wasn't expecting that at all. Oh, no, of course. There's just there's so many resources and so many amazing things that Business Chicks is doing. And if anyone out there is who's listening has a business, and I'm sure many of you do, make sure that you go to the show notes Get a copy of Emma's book because it is full of pearls of wisdom and um, check out everything else that Business Chicks has to offer because, like we said, there's over 100 events per year. There's just so much going on and, and all anyone really needs is a little push in the right direction. So thank you so much for your time. I know this is an incredibly busy week for you and I'm so grateful for your generosity and, and openness. You're so, so down to earth and a big inspiration to me and I'm sure to so many other people. So I hope next week goes amazingly. <laughs> thank you. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah. I know she assures us that she doesn't have it all together, but from where I'm standing, Emma still seems like a bit of a wonder woman. (laughs) Her approach to work-life balance, though, has really stuck with me since this interview and helped me kind of get over that guilt that I really find in trying to achieve this elusive work-life balance that people always talk about. It's one of the main questions you get asked and her approach is so refreshing. There's no balance between two things because her work self and her personal self are the same person. And instead, the overarching question is just how she's feeling day to day. And that's a lot simpler and seems to be a lot kinder. So definitely something that I've taken away from this episode. And as always, links to her book, Winging It and more will be in the show notes so you can grab a copy for yourself. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button to keep the yay rolling and take a screenshot, do it now, of this episode to share and make sure you tag me at spoonful underscore of underscore Sarah so I know what you think. I love seeing your feedback and suggestions and requests. It is absolutely amazing. gives me so much yay. And also listening back now that we're into the double digits of episodes, which I don't even know how that happened, it's so funny when I listen back and hear the things that I've started to do, like my little habits. So I would love it if you guys point those out to me as well 
well because it's hilarious. I think one of the things I do is I always say, and so, at the start of every question. I tend to go off on a tangent in my own brain and interrupt my own questions before I've even asked them. So to all the guests we've had so far, I'm so sorry for my tangential brain. Uh, but yeah, I hope you're really, really enjoying it so far. I'm having an absolute blast. Thank you all so much for your love and support. On a side note, we also just released our Christmas pack on Matcha Maiden. So if you're in the market for some festive gifts, head to www.matchamaiden.com. And yeah, hope you're all having an amazing day and that you're seizing your yay. 